This episode is sponsored by Furniture Box. Check them out in the description below. Guys, welcome to The Ground Floor, the podcast where we are successful people exactly how they did it. Now, this week's episode is a little bit different um, and it's quite an interesting one. We've actually got Navjot Sawney, who is the founder of The Washing Machine Project, which is a charity. So it's our first charity that we've ever had on the show. Um, and it's a charity that provides a clothes washing solution for low-income communities in the Middle East and the third world. Now, I'm going to read this next part out because I want to make sure I get all the numbers right because this really blew my mind. So 70% of the world's population have no access to an electric washing machine and that's over five and a half billion people wow. which is yeah it's insane yeah. um washing clothes by hand can take up to 20 hours a week which is obviously a critical barrier to paid work and education for anyone displaced or on low income uh, and the burden of this is disproportionately carried by the women in these communities too so you're doing a tremendous work for women in all these low-income communities and obviously you're helping people that are in in many cases extreme poverty so you're a hero, first of all. It's extremely noble work. Um, I can't believe that stat. Yeah, yeah no, that's wow. mad. That's actually you... quite eye-opening. I didn't realise that. That's mad when you listen back to it. It doesn't feel real. Five but... and a half billion. Well, there's like four people in this studio, so yeah, yeah, at, least, yeah. at least three of us will be hand-washing our clothes today, tomorrow, and the, the next day afterwards. So, so it's, that's crazy. It's honestly so hard to even conceptualise. Yeah. Um, so obviously a lot of people won't know you or won't know the charity. So if you take mm. them back to the beginning, can you tell yeah. them a little bit about you and, and how this came about? Yeah, um... Nav means new in Punjabi and uh, I was born in London um, and I was a very curious child. I um, uh, I was kind of born and raised around in Indian parents so uh, the the society was very um, selfless. Uh, it was always about service and giving back to others so that was inherently ingrained into us um, and my father was an aerospace engineer and he would take me to air shows and I'd be fascinated with how these big aircraft would be in the sky and I would, I would uh, come home I would take the toolbox out of the shed and um, just break everything mm. and my mum used to get really angry at that because I never knew how to put things back together again but um, it, it really helped uh, in terms of my mind and, and trying to understand how things worked um, so with that in mind my father passed away when I was very young I was eight years old and I was brought up by my two sisters and my mum so I knew from a very early age the difficulty of what women have to go through in life so you know the the kind of giving the engineering and curiosity and the women empowerment have all been parallels in my life. Mm. Um, so when I went to university, uh, I studied aerospace engineering and I graduated and I joined one of the world's best graduate programs. And I, I felt like I hit cloud nine. What, what program was that? I was at Dyson. Okay. okay. So I was there for, for three years and I realized that every bit of good engineering that I was doing was was basically just making a vacuum cleaner for a rich person. Yeah. And yeah, when uh, you phrase it like that, it's yeah. not it's not very motivational. But okay. Yeah, it's uh, but these are incredible products and they're so desirable and you know half the world want them. But I realized that I wanted my engineering to to help people to 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 have impact, have positive impact across the world and and really kind of um make a make a mark on 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 the on people who really need it when did that actually come about what was the sort of turning point from wanting to do this sort of more traditional route in corporate versus actually wanting to help people and 
yeah and, and to the world? it's a really good question i think you know when i was graduating at university it was a bit of a um it was a bit of a uh, you're kind of walking walking into it blindfold, blindfold like uh, i think a lot of people do to be honest when yeah. they leave university they don't necessarily have a real idea yeah. as to exactly what they want to do do you remember your your careers neither, first? Of, us, neither of us actually went you know that's, that's interesting yeah. but we were the only two kids in our year that didn't go to uni yeah, we're, we're not better at all <laughs> that's, that's it doesn't matter <laughs> that's really refreshing to hear uh which we should talk about later, but um, you know, universities have these careers fairs, and and they invite uh, pizza shops, uh, and and they give away free pizza. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just used to get free pizza all the time, and yeah. um, and uh, these really fancy companies would come and and give out free pens and and uh, sorry the dream roll out like really flashy graduates. And I'll be like in awe of these people, but it's like a missile defense company. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like that's obviously not what I want to do in my yeah, life. Yeah. But when I was in that position, I was like, uh, this this person was like, uh, you know, the kind of pinnacle of everything that I want to become, which I which I realized that later on in life I, I didn't. And about three years into my career at Dyson, you know, I, I wanted to call it quits. But you know, for anyone listening or watching this podcast anyone from an asian family you know going to your to your your mum and saying i want to quit my well-paid engineering job to go work for free somewhere else uh, it wasn't a very good conversation it's a suicide mission yeah <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. yeah yeah but i realized i wasn't happy and i wanted to to, to do something different so i quit my job and i moved to south india uh, did you have any idea as to exactly what you wanted to do at this stage out of interest or did, or did you just know you sort of wanted to add value and you just were sort of following a path type thing or yeah. did you have any clarity at this point yeah so I was searching for opportunities uh, I knew I wanted to help I have the skills of engineering and I applied for uh, a, a international placement at Engineers Without Borders UK and they sent me to India uh, and and I what is Engineers Without Borders? Just Engineers Without Borders UK is a uh, UK based charity that um, provides opportunities uh, to become globally responsible for, for engineers and non-engineers. So if you're in a boardroom or in a meeting at a missile company, uh, you know exactly the impact of the work that you're doing. And if you don't know, then they teach you. Right. Yeah, and I think I've heard of Doctors Without Borders. Yeah, so okay. it's, it's the uh, the engineer's equivalent of, of Doctors Without Borders. And I think that's really important because engineers and, and non-engineers have the power to help and hinder the planet. You know, these are the, the people that are going to be creating the next solutions that the world greatly need. And um, if they don't know the world's problems or the real s solutions that are needed, then then there's a massive gap. Yeah. Mm. And I think that's something that I'm really passionate about talking about um, in, in my career now. Um, but yeah, I, I, I landed in, in India and I was there for a year and a half in a very rural village and I was making clean and efficient cooking stoves for half the world's population who have to use wood or dung or coal to cook their food. So, you know, 50% of the world don't have access to gas or electricity, so they use wood. 50%. I think it's really interesting when we hear these, when we hear these figures of just not necessarily out of touch, that doesn't sound very fair, but just yeah. how 
yeah how kind of tough it is for so many people out out there and yeah I think it, it normally just gets lost by the wayside a lot of the time so. and and we're in this kind of really fancy studio yeah in, in London, that's what yeah it's so far removed yeah. from what we're used to but yeah even i didn't know those figures and, until i was actually in it living 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 there and, and understanding the situation but yeah uh, th these 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 people that have to forage for wood are often women and children and uh, once they have that wood they take time and they have to go further and further into forest to get them and and you know are susceptible to gender-based violence because they're in dangerous places they have to come back and then they burn the wood and all of that smoke that they're they're breathing in is is a massive issue it creates all sorts of medical conditions and it happens to half the world's population so um that, that half yeah really half yeah 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 that's, so, that's mad right and 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 so I, I was in this in this village uh, at an organization called Prakti. I was c c innovating uh, these cook stoves. Uh, my job, w alongside a few other team members, was to create uh, a ten-pound or a thousand-rupee cooking stove uh, for in the Indian market. And um, on like a a, a a normal week would be uh, Monday we'd have an idea Tuesday we would prototype the idea Wednesday that prototype would be in the field oh wow uh, it's that streamlined isn't yeah it? Okay. And, and Thursday you'd get initial feedback yeah on why that prototype is rubbish and by Friday you'd already have a new idea yeah. and so that kind of living lab we called it where you're constantly iterating and constantly getting feedback and constantly developing your ideas was amazing and I knew at that point that this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I wanted to create products uh, for people who who need it. And the the village I was staying in was such an eye-opening experience to me. Um, and there was a lady that lived next door to me and her name was Divya. Uh, she became best friends with me uh, because my Tamil was rubbish and her English was amazing. She learnt her English in um, in high school, but never used it since. Wow. And she got married at the age of 16. She had two kids. She was 31 at the time. And um, we uh, used to talk about all sorts of subjects, whether it was the latest film release or uh, why she spent hours and hours a day on unpaid labor and and how unfair she felt that that was and she, whether it was foraging for wood or standing in line for water uh, water was only switched on for 15 minutes a day twice a day six o'clock in the morning six o'clock in the evening uh, or or hand washing her clothes she used to spend hours and hours and hours a day on what is what is called unpaid labor uh, and I and I thought this was so unfair for for people like Divya who wanted to work, but just didn't have the time. She was so talented and so smart, um, but she was being held back from these opportunities that she wanted to pursue because of these tasks that I took for granted. And that's why you named your creation after her, the Divya. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And 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 that was the penny drop moment for me. And I said to Divya, "This is silly." I'm going to buy you an electric washing machine uh, and you, you just use it. And she said, Nav, I don't have a generator. 
and there's frequent blackouts. So even if I had an electric washing machine, I wouldn't be able to use it when I wanted to use it. And it uses so much water and and water's only switched on 15 minutes a day, twice a day. So so it's it's not an appropriate technology yeah. for me. And and that's that's when the penny dropped for 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 me personally and that's when I promised Divya a, a, a manual washing machine back in that village in in 2018. So so I came back home uh uh, to London and I started what is called the washing machine project now uh, which is very simple we, we design manufacture and distribute uh, manual crank handle washing machines that we call Divya washing machines after the the inspiration behind the the, the, the organization uh, and and we've we've created this really amazing device that saves 75 percent of time and 50 percent of water com compared to hand washing clothes and and we now distribute that across eight countries ar around the world wow. and have positively impacted 30,000 lives that's remarkable and that's such a nice backstory as well mm. to actually finding your passion yeah. that a lot of people don't necessarily it's a have beautiful story and i and i knew the the rough outline but i didn't know it in, in such detail and it's a really beautiful story you should be really proud of what you're doing man um, I, I want to take it briefly back to um, the conversation that you had with your parents, bef mm. you know, to drop out of out of Dyson and go and do this work. So obviously, as you said, it's amazing work, but that's a difficult conversation to have, especially with your background. And I think there's probably a good chance that there are a lot of people listening to this that maybe for whatever reason would like to leave what they're doing mm. to pursue something else. And they also come from an Asian household or maybe a strict household where, you know, they don't feel like they have that opportunity. How did that conversation go? And how did you address it and what was the outcome? Yeah, it's really difficult and no one supported me uh, when when I wanted to quit my job. But, but uh, my mum particularly, she said, I, I think I quote, I'm big, making the biggest mistake of my life. And, and now she's my biggest fan, you know. Really? She, uh, I caught her the other day showing one of our news articles to, to the mechanic when when she was taking the car in, in for repair. So huge, huge fan now. Uh, but you kind of had to prove yourself. Uh, How does that make you feel? Uh, amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean more. I mean that is amazing. <laughs> but I mean more. How does it make you feel? Is there an? Is do you have any element of? Well, you didn't believe in me then, and now you guys all believe in me. You know, yeah. does, is there any anger there, or any resentment, or anything, or is it just pure bliss? Or how do you feel? No, it's a really good, good uh, reflection point. I love proving people wrong. Uh, and I love uh, when people say you can't do something and time and time again, you know, we, we, uh, I think anyone starting their own organization has to have that resilience because you're going to have so many people that say, no, actually you can't do it or mm. it's never been done before. So you can't do it. And I think that that resilience is, is really, really important to, to have. And I love I love it when 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 I love to hear the fact that we can't do something because I want to I want to prove people wrong but it's a balance now with a bit of realism and, and saying actually you know it's, it's impossible or mm. so how, how did you have that conversation like I said people listening that might might be dreading that yeah. kind of conversation with their parents how did you go about it yeah and I and I come across countless people that are really frustrated in their jobs right now pushing excel spreadsheets mm. uh and and people that are going through kind of different internal crises yeah. uh, who, who approach me on a kind of weekly basis whether it's through linkedin messages or whatever it is to, to, to say can i help or 
can I have a job, etc. So I really do empathize with those people because I was, I was one of those people and um, I was genuinely unhappy, you know, like, uh, and that's no disrespect to my former colleagues or, or some of my, my good friends that are still at, at those types of companies um, because they genuinely lo love what they do. But for me and my passion and what I want to do in my life, and life is so finite, you know, uh, and maybe that's because of my the early trauma of my father passing away, you know, and the the realis realism of you know having a very short short life and short time on this planet. It puts it into context. Yeah, it puts it in context, right? And and I was genuinely unhappy, um, and I actively looked for for something that was semi-aligned to what I was doing, although I wasn't going to get paid for it, but it was kind of down the right path and that helped. Mm. Um, but the funny thing was I actually begged for my uh, job to come back to. So at the time I, I said to my employers that please could you keep my job available for me for when for when I come back. Um, but they didn't have a sabbatical policy and mm. okay. I remember there was multiple emails flying back and forth. Um, um, for me kind of pleading with them to 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 um to let me back and uh, even at that point i was saying you know taking the risk averse approach and saying oh there'll be a job waiting for me when i come back but mm. but they didn't allow that and and i'm so thankful for that because i wouldn't have wouldn't have jumped yeah. into the opportunity of you know starting something um like the washing machine project do you think uh, it's important to take that risk knowing that you didn't have that safety net yeah, I, 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 was, I was just about to get into, I would also caveat that, you know, this is a very tough, hard and lonely journey, you know, like the hustle mentality of entrepreneurship is really under underplayed and mm. uh, or, or, or overplayed. And, you know, the glamorization is, of, yeah. of entrepreneurship is is very, very, very overplayed. But, you know, no one will ever tell you the, the sleepless nights, the not making payroll, the uh, the difficulties of getting funding um, and I think that's so important for anyone that that is deciding to to quit your job or not finding uh, the the kind of passion in what you're doing right now I would I would say um, start something uh, new or, or pursue some of your passions but do it in the way that you can balance the books and and pay for your bills and 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 when you when you can't do both at the same time and when you're working, um, you know, tirelessly on yeah. both projects, that that's the point where you're like, actually, no, this is this is where I step back. You know, what um, what's what's your advice to someone who just doesn't necessarily have something that they immediately want to go into? They're unhappy in their role at Dyson, for example, in an engineering role, and they're on a very you know predictable path, albeit a very good path, but a very predictable path. But they know they don't want to be on that path, but they don't necessarily know what they want yeah. to jump into. Obviously, you had the experience in India meeting Divya, and that sort of sparked your, your passion. Yeah. Um, but how does somebody actually go about finding that driver or that passion yeah. to then wanting to go into it and build something? Yeah, it's a really good question. And my answer to that would be to to really just learn and and uh, and and shadow and and get mentored in different industries so so for example when i came back from from india and i was clueless about the world of humanitarianism i did a, f a few things so I, I started a masters i went back to the university and did a masters in humanitarianism at the university of bath but also 
I also messaged as many people as I could that I thought that I want to be like in five years. Okay. Uh, blank on, on, on LinkedIn and, and, and I said, please could I have half an hour of your time just to ask some questions. And that really kind of built my knowledge and of the industry and what ways I would probably want to take it. Um, I think a lot of people really underestimate, we always talk about it, but the power of just asking people. You know, yeah. If you look at people who are in a position where you want to be in X period of time, just reach out to them and mm. ask if you can have you know some time for a, a meeting or coffee or something but yeah a lot of people just really underestimate the power of that it's a free shot it yeah, is especially it a free is. shot costs you nothing exactly and like this infinite uh, upside yeah and uh, i'm sure you guys have had opportunities where where you you don't know something you just ask someone and mm. um and then it, it puts it pushes you uh, the kind of boundaries a bit more so, so for example when i started the washing machine project i i still have this message today where i messaged my friend alex who uh was working at my previous employer and i said please could you help me and uh he he helped me with my first few designs and uh, we we went out to iraq together to to test some of the machines that we that we were designing and it is is your network you know when you start something um it's the, the, your friends and family and your network around you who will be your first supporters and your first customers and your first funders and i think that's really really important um there's so many people around you that want to help you mm. uh, and people are afraid to ask for help yeah um, and it's worth noting that's that's how you got on the show we got a dm on yeah. our instagram yeah, page very true from someone in your on your team yeah like, <laughs> we'd love to have our guy on the show yeah and exactly I, and i'd never heard of the charity and exactly. then i looked into it and i was like oh that's really cool yeah yeah so again yeah. just ask yeah just ask and see how far you see how far you get so mm. um I, I also i wanted to ask as well um do you do you reckon it's sort of it's it's easier to be content when you're aware of how bad it is for a lot of people around the world because you're obviously on the front line and you've got direct exposure to it versus people in a western society who underestimate the privileges that they've actually got on a daily basis and get wrapped up in their own in their own shit on a day-to-day um do you reckon it's just it, it's it's easier or like how does that sort of play on your mind yeah i feel so lucky and privileged to wake up every day yeah. and lead this organization uh, because you know people are doing it tough out there and we get to see that every single day with our work and um, I feel, feel so privileged to have a very small impact on their lives a positive impact and um, the solutions that we're creating are, are, are so needed you know someone hand washing their clothes on, on their hands and knees in cold water causing back pain joint pain and skin irritation for 20 hours a week in 2023 is is really frustrating for me personally and and when you see it firsthand uh you get a new new lease of life i need to work harder for this person or i need to work smarter we all need to collectively do do something for this person and the next person and um it's examples that you you never even really heard of so 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 we got started because uh, of divya the, the lady in the village who who I met in 2018 but I've spent the last few days in America with homeless communities and every single person listening or watching this podcast will walk past someone that's homeless over the next few months and those people need a solution that keeps their clothes clean and right now they don't have a sustainable solution and 
um, it's interesting that you, you don't, this is not a far away issue. These are issues that, that happen on our streets uh, around us as well. I've got a question that I was, um, I've been thinking about for a little while and I heard someone say this once and I think because you're the first person we've had on here that uh, has their own charity, especially one that helps people abroad, I'd be really curious to hear your perspective on it. Um, I was speaking to someone once and they said, one of my issues, I think they said they, they prefer to give their money to people that they see, like you said, like homeless people that they see on the streets or in person or people that they know in their community because um, the quote unquote sort of Africa stuff that they see, you know, with like things like um, comic relief, that sort of thing. They say um, there's kind of been a numbness to it in a way, culturally, I'd say, because it's been around for so long and people sort of, I think that's a shame because I think it means people lose faith in the work that is being done. And we know that there's so much amazing work being done by, you know, things like comic relief by things like you know the work that you're doing what do you think about people's kind of um i guess cultural numbing you know because they see the adverts they see the tv stuff and they go well, where's the money really going hasn't it been long enough now it seems like you know it's kind of the same now that it was then um and i thought that was an interesting point and i think it's i think it's a bit of a shame but i'd love to get your your opinion on it yeah yeah it's a it's a really valid point and uh, donor fatigue is what it's called where people just get tired of giving to the same cause and funny enough I don't know if you saw the reports of the the defense minister yesterday saying to the Ukrainian government we're not the Amazon of weapons so uh, so I think that the the, the the quote there was basically there's maybe a slight frustration yeah that the the UK government is supporting the Ukrainian government so much during mm. this kind of war that they're going through. So mm. it happens on a governmental level as well, mm. where um, where you saw a couple of years ago the US pull out of Afghanistan after 20 years of, yeah. of war. So um, it's, yeah, it's tough. Um, and and uh, there's need all over the world. And, and where do you start, right? It's, it's that you you see these things and you feel so helpless you know like my my pound or my dollar um my money is it's so worthless to the bigger impact of mm -hmm. this 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 issue but i'd like to cast your mind back to 2020 when we were all locked up in our rooms during covid and how helpless we all felt and I, I don't know about you but we were inundated with people that wanted to support i think covid all taught us that we're we're mortal and that we want to give back to society, um, you know, people out there clapping for carers and mm. packing people's bags and giving people food to everyone that needed it. I think it definitely brought some people together. Right? And community. Mm -hmm. I think that's, we're inherently a community driven and, 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 and like to be together. That's why the, the lockdown was so frustrating mm. for all of us. Um, and I always say that you you don't have to fly across the world to to give. Um, there are people outside of your doorstep right now that need your support, you know. Uh, and they don't they probably don't need your money either. They they probably need your time, mm. or your skills, uh, or your advocacy, or your support. So money isn't the only way that you could support good causes around the world. And I think that's something important to to bear in mind as well. Was it was yeah. it easy for you to, for lack of a better phrase, sort of turn your back on, on financial freedom or, and, and and money to to pursue a value add to people that need it most? Because I can imagine that must have been a very 
difficult turning point especially after three years and what is a very very reputable company and a good good job and good money yeah you mentioned it right this traditional path i was on a traditional path where i studied all my life i graduated with a degree i then joined a good company one of the country's best yeah. companies in my industry and i had a path laid out for me if i wanted to pursue it and that was my life and to then take a sidestep and say hey actually no i don't want to do that is a very difficult a very difficult decision and it was is very dark you know mm. um to think that i wouldn't have a salary next month and i wouldn't know where my next job would come if i wanted to pursue it that as a as a as a young person uh, who had a very traditional path up until that point um was very very hard to reconcile but how do you how do you get your head around yeah around uh, but the need and the want of of wanting to make impact wanted to make positive impact was so great and it outweighed the the traditional path mm. and i think that's how i reconciled the decision and, and that's how i got over it i knew that this is what i want to do um and the realization of um the need and 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 being out in india and and seeing the the problems there and then whether it was cooking or cleaning or, or washing clothes or, or even like air conditioning it was a 50 degree heat and that was an issue for for, for everyone around us but yeah. there's there's no sustainable solution right now for for those those kinds of things mm. what's the situation with with divya now if you guys stayed in touch does she know that she's got a whole life-saving instrument named after <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh it's super inspirational to, to to talk to divya we took her on a weekly basis mm. and we'll be sending our newest uh, machine it's called the divya 1.65 uh, in a couple of months uh, there's some amazing announcements uh, coming up uh, later in the year that, that is going to really kind of tenfold our impact um, and I'm really excited to, to, to bring everyone along on the journey mm. with us. Hey guys, I just wanted to take a second to talk about our sponsor for this episode, Furniture Box. Furniture Box is an online furniture retailer that makes awesome products for everywhere from your bedroom to your office. Now we actually had Monty and Dan, the co-founders on our show. That's how we met. We loved their story and we hung out with them afterwards and we knew that we wanted to work with them. And here's the thing. One of the biggest issues I have whenever I've ordered furniture in the past is that certain big name furniture companies, not naming any names, will charge you a fairly large fee for delivery. And even then that delivery usually takes a few days, if not longer. With Furniture Box, not only do they offer free next day delivery, but they're now planning on extending their delivery cutoff even more so that you can literally order a dining set as late as 8 p.m. and be eating dinner on it the next day. So to put it simply, there's no one in the UK furniture scene that's doing anything like what they're doing. And we're thrilled to have them as our sponsor so click the link in the show notes and check them out now back to the episode what do you say to people who and it's quite a common i think quite a common charity objection um what do you say when people say to you you know how do i know where my money's going which i think is probably the most common charity objection people give yeah it's uh so by by um uh, a law and obligation a charity has to report uh, through uh, an annual summary of how they have spent that money to the Charities Commission, and that's publicly available online. So um, if you don't have any transparency uh, from your charity that you're giving to, you should, because it's an, uh, a legal obligation too. Um, so that's one thing. The second thing is you don't have to give money to support charity. People are 
skill sharing, skill swapping, um, advocating, uh, giving time, uh, uh, that's equally, if not more, helpful and useful to charities than actually just putting a, a pound in the in the in the jar so um so the second question sort of leading on from that i suppose is um for anyone listening that might have an idea of a way they can help or someone who might have an idea for a charity they'd like to start we've never had someone on like i said who's who started their own charity so what's the process like for that how does it work with raising funding how does it work with getting it set up and the actual structural side of it someone wants to build a charity yeah i remember when i started the washing machine project in 2018 2019 i um had this blank canvas and um, these this idea that there's this this issue that I saw and it needed the, there needed to be a solution and and it's very easy to say I'll oh, just start a charity and and, and and that'll be the end of it but actually I think it's important to to step back and say what is the problem and how can I help come to a solution? for that problem and there are many charities doing amazing things and so um my question is is it is it needed you know is your charity needed is your idea needed is there a gap that you can fill with your with your organization and if if there isn't and there's support that you can give to another organization that's already doing something similar to yours then then great uh and I, I, I think that's that's really important to understand that, you know, people rush to start a new organization mm-hmm. without really trying to understand where they can help or, or um, uh, fill in a gap. Um, so, for example, you know, if people are frustrated at the homelessness in their community and they want to help with the homelessness in the community by alleviating that burden, um, is there an organization in the community that's already helping uh, someone in another community that then can come to your community and 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 uh, grow that organization and uh, so that's the the first step and the second step is if you've gone through that process and you believe that there's a true gap uh, really understand the problem um, by asking those people directly what is your issue and I think too much time is spent in the lab or in the in uh, on the back of a desk um, or um, behind a computer screen doing desktop research and not enough time has been in spent the in the field or speaking to the, the community that you're trying to serve. And I think that's so important because if you don't know their true lived experiences or their mm. problems, then how are you going to come up with the solutions? So spend as much time as you can learning from the people that you're trying to support and then after all of that, when you've really understood the problems, there's a gap, there's no one doing it, then you consider starting an organization mm. and getting together like-minded people that believe in your mission and your vision um, uh, and are aligned with your values. So you'd get you'd sort of build a team before you go out to actually go and get funding. Yeah. So uh, and and that the, the the team is a very loose term. You know, these are kind of volunteers mm, that yeah. that want to support your cause and mission and. Uh, you know, especially with uh, causes with purpose, you'll find that people want to help you more than uh, perhaps a, a f- you know a traditional for-profit enterprise like a mm-hmm. ride-hailing app or a dating app or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And so, for the funding side of things, uh, how does that how does that work? Raising funding for a charity. It's very hard. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, in the first instances, I used to 
pay for stuff out of my own own pocket and I had a a bit of savings that I'll just just pay for things whether it's prototyping or going on a field visit etc but more and more um, we we kind of focused on the storytelling piece of the impact of some of this work that we're doing and connecting the beneficiary to the donor and um, uh, highlighting the importance of of that of that donor and the crucial donations that they 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 bring to the organization and so we set up a, a GoFundMe mm. and we were lucky enough to get a few news features earlier on and those went viral and then we had a GoFundMe that you know raised uh, ex- uh, lots of money to then sustain our organization um, and then uh, you got external funding after that yeah so um, the washing machine project during COVID got um, uh, a massive corporate partnership with the uh, RS Group, which is a FTSE 100 company. They chose us as a, as a good cause for the, for the three years that we would be with them. Um, and that was a global partnership um, to the tune of about a million pounds. And how does that partnership work exactly? It's threefold. So it's employee volunteering, okay. uh, fundraising, and uh, awareness raising as well so so yeah and I'm, I'm really excited to say that they've now kind of renewed that partnership and it'll, it'll be going for another three years it's interesting because you know <clears throat> raising funding for a charity is obviously very different to raising funding for a company because when you're approaching people to raise money for your company they're thinking okay how much money can i make off the back of this yeah. whereas with this it's like do you care enough about what I'm doing, knowing that this is money you have to get rid of? You're not seeing it again, but you're hoping that it's going to help people and add value for it. It's it's completely different mentality shift. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But also, it's a growing aspect right now. So, um, you know, the the COVID thing of being immortal uh, and people wanting to help. Uh, the sustainable development goals that the United Nations have 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 launched the 2030 goals. Um, uh, where every single company, every single uh, organization, whether it's a FTSE 100 or micro enterprise, is aligning themselves to various sustainable development goals, whether it's um, no poverty or um, gender inequality. There's always one organization aligning something mm. to something, and 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 they're actively looking for um, uh, social giving. You know, um, employees are are asking their employers what what are you doing to help society and the the gen z's amongst us are are getting really angry and pissed off at the world that they're inheriting so it's a kind of melting pot yeah. of, of 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 various different things uh, where you know th- there's a positive shift towards good causes um, and I, I, and we're really feeling mm-hmm. that right now as well. So how do you actually go about continuing to raise awareness then um, for the washing machine project? You mentioned that you were in a couple of news articles before you did the GoFundMe page but post that how do you continue to go about raising awareness? Yeah so we've actually been featured in over 500 news outlets Wow, five hundred uh, around the world. Uh, is that is that you sort of practically reaching out to them? Is that them reaching out to you? So yeah, we've we spent nothing on on zero okay. on marketing. Um, Do you have a PR person? Because I don't think it was you that messaged me directly. Yeah, we have one uh, amazing person who works on all of our social media, uh, whether it's Twitter or LinkedIn yeah. or, or Instagram or anything like that. But um, you know, we've been really lucky at. at, at 
at telling the story of Divya and every single other person that we supported uh, uh, along the journey. And there is a Netflix documentary um, coming out. Oh, wow. No uh, way. About this? Towards the end of the year. So okay. that's, that's Dude, really congratulations. Cool. Yeah, that's that awesome. What? Yeah. How did so, we not? Have you, is that public knowledge? No, it's not. So is this is is this the first time you mentioned? This it? is the first time. This is a TGF yeah. exclusive, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, That's awesome. A, okay. There's a Netflix documentary coming yeah, out about one, the washing machine one, project. One episode. One episode. When's it, when's it coming out? Uh, towards the end. Of the year. we don't have an okay. exact date yet. But. Dude, that's going to be huge for you, man. Congratulations. Yeah, that huge. That's yeah. massive. How did that come about? Yeah. How how did you get a Netflix just, documentary made? Just organically. So there, there there've been there's loads of things. You know, even back in May. Um, uh, we got invited to the King's coronation to be one of the guests of Prime Minister Rishi Sunak. Okay. So yeah, I was going to say, you, you think you got a letter from, from Rishi Sunak? Yeah, but yeah, we had lunch with with him on, on 10 Downing Street and Jill Biden as well. So I, I was wow. there. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. We're so, going to come back to that. But okay. Yeah, so cool. so um, uh, people really get it. Uh, people get this this mission that we're on. Everyone washes clothes. Everyone likes to wear clean clothes. Everyone has to wear clean clothes, so um, I think people understand that you know there's a need here, and they want to help. And uh, we're really appreciative of all the traction that we're getting uh, in such a short space of time, and really excited about the future. I feel like there's a lot of synergies between actually starting a charity versus starting a company. Massively, in that you yeah. need to find a product market fit almost. You need the you right can, people. Yeah, you well. need the right people. You need to see there's a demand for what you're looking to do, and Team, not just funding. Yeah, runway, it's, everything. It's, it's, there's yeah. actually a lot. Yeah, a lot of synergies with it. Because um, I can't imagine you get the same level of success that you would have got today if you were doing something that had already been done, if you like, just mm. in a slightly different way. Yeah, and and also um, um, doing it sustainably as well. Mm. So we're really passionate about sustainability of the organisation as well. So how can we make or create revenue models that don't just rely on giving? Mm. Um, so mm. yeah, you know, other products and services like laundrettes, for example, mm. in communities where people can use our machine but also make some money off it. To then put back uh, into the, the charity. Yeah, yeah. Into that's interesting. Yeah, because you you only really think of one revenue stream yeah. with charities, which is just donations. Yeah, but there's multiple ways of 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 getting money, um, and 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 that's the same uh, as a for profit, mm. uh, limited company as well. I was gonna say. <laughs> okay, I was gonna say. How did um how did you get the kind of the recognition come from from Richie Sinek? Yeah, that's how I was gonna. Okay. Yeah. How, how did that sort of come about? <laughs> Yeah, so this was uh, uh, an award called the Point of Lights Award. It's a cross-party award that's been given by the Prime Minister of the UK since, I think, Theresa May's time, probably 2017, 2018 times. And it awards um, uh, local uh, or, or organisations or community champions that are, are, are doing good for society. Um, and so the recent work that we've been doing uh, for Ukrainian refugees in Poland uh, was recognized as something that was um, uh, g good, doing community good and um, all the kind of other traction elements that we're, 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 we're uh, leading with, whether it's homeless communities here in the UK or refugees in Iraq and Lebanon um, or, or um, an orphanage in Uganda. So so there's a multiple of things, but yeah, it was the, it was the Ukrainian refugee um, support that we did in Poland, that we were awarded awarded the points of light award for. What was what was Rishi like, sort of off off camera, when he's not you know being the prime minister? Uh, uh, I I took my mum, um, and my mum has worked 
as a civil servant for 40 years and she retired this year um, back in April and uh, we got the invite in May and what better way to celebrate That's her nice, retirement yeah. than taking her to 10 Downing yeah, Street yeah, for yeah, lunch yeah, yeah. on the streets yeah. of 10 Downing Street so it was a pretty surreal thing for her and she was she was absolutely gassed she, <laughs> wore, she wore her best sari which was a uh, a royal blue sari she looked like a Tory donor although she's she's not that way in, in, inclined um, but she was so impressed to meet uh, Rishi um, who is uh, you know the UK's first Asian Prime Minister and I'm from Asian heritage uh, and there's this really funny conversation on, online between Rishi and my mum where my mum said to Rishi I'm so proud of you to Rishi uh, and Rishi was like uh, why are you proud of me you should be proud of your son and my mum was like yeah yeah I know but I'm so proud of you <laughs> <laughs> which was uh, hilarious and he actually greeted my mum by saying namaste auntie G um, wow. uh, which was really impressive yeah. because you know we're, we're Indian mm. and uh, yeah, for my mum that was really respectful so you know whatever your political affiliations are and you know whatever policies that he has mm. um you know i thought that was really respe respectful that's a really Definitely. nice little insight yeah I'm, I'm curious to know as someone who has essentially given up the pursuit of their own self-interest for the for the betterment of others which is what you're doing how does it make you feel when you're around other people who are doing something that is self-serving is there any do you ever get any feeling of like you're just doing this to you know make money you're just you, you know you just bought this car you're doing this job you're going here like you should be helping out there's so many people that are in because you're seeing firsthand i mean you're literally on the front lines of seeing some of the worst conditions mm. in the world yeah. of humanity and yeah. does it ever make you i don't know i don't want to say angry but resentful or you know a bit like does it make you irritated it did it did at the start for sure and um i remember when i came home after that year and a half uh, or so in India and I had this massive reverse culture shock it's called reverse culture shock where you spend a lot of time in in one situation and you come back to a very more a very comfortable situation and you're just your your brain is fried and frazzled and you don't know how to empathize with with both things and, and that's why you get so much burnout in humanitarianism um, I remember when I came back home from India, I sat on the floor for six months eating my food uh, okay. with my hand because I was just, I was like, why do I need to sit on a chair? Why yeah, do yeah. I need to eat with a fork and knife? You mm. know, I, I remember those kinds of things. And my mom actually gave me a really good piece of advice. And she's like, Nav, uh, no one has changed apart from you. So uh, really meet, meet people where there are. Uh, because mm. no one has changed apart from you and I thought that was really important rather than getting angry uh, get in, informed and educate people mm. and that's what I'm doing you know uh, you guys now know the issue yeah, yeah. and it's up to you yeah. to, to take that forwards and, and deal with that however you want to do and that's my job is to, to keep Divya and every other person that we speak to uh, in the spotlight and, 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 and keep talking about it. With something like the, the culture shock that you experienced coming back from India, you know, you said, you know, eating on the floor, eating with your hands, things like that. At what point did you transition out of that and what made you go from that mindset? Because I think that's an interesting 
thing that you mentioned and i'd like to unpack that a little bit yeah i think uh humans are very uh have very short-term memory right uh three years ago we were all locked up in uh in mm. a room uh in our rooms and that was our way of life for about a year and a half you know and, uh, now we can't fathom that ever happening uh, so we have very short term memories and, and very quickly do we forget uh, how appreciative we should we should be and so um yeah i mean you do uh you do kind of grow out of those phases or, or seasons i i call it and um that's why it's so important to to keep going back to the field and keep giving and keep piloting and, and keep listening to the people that have these problems because the, you need to keep that in your mind every time you design a product or create a campaign mm -hmm. or tell a story or fundraise you know uh, and th that's how I that's mm -hmm. how I continue to to, yeah. to to remain empathetic what 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 do you think people can do in their day-to-day -day life to actually I suppose add good or sort of be good to the world and sort of add add value to it in one way other than just donating money and having some money sort of dribbling out of their account every month making them feel like they're doing something what's something slightly more tangible that you think everyone could be doing to to really help those that need it yeah um there's going to be a lot of people that are listening and 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 watching this podcast that um want to support in one way shape or form whether it's the washing machine project or another organization that they really um, want to help with or start something themselves. And I think it's important to, to start small um, and and do it sustainably. So, you know, uh, uh, give sustainably, whether it's your time, money, or, or effort, or skills. Um, my advice to anyone that, 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 that wants to do something um, but doesn't know what is, is really just try and understand what is it that you're aligned with and what's your passion and where do you want to give, where do you see the gap and then, and, and, and then do it, just do something, whether it's even just talking about it, write to your MP, become an advocate or something. There's so many problems in society, whether it's homelessness, um, um, the, the, the gender inequality, the, the kind of inequality in wealth, um not 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 even talking about immigration and um uh you know in access to to basic appliances etc so uh, i i read a statistic where uh I was, I was supporting a cause called i can you can too which is a charity in in london that provides hot meals to to kids um who 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 are on on free school meals uh, and and I I came across this statistic that one out of three uh, people in London uh, live on the poverty line. One in three. Yeah, and and live and, live live below the poverty line. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And 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 thirty percent of Londoners um, have no access to a laptop or a smartphone. Thirteen percent. Thirty three zero. Thirty. Yeah. Have no access to a phone or a laptop. Yeah, a smartphone. And that's in yeah. London. So London. So it's like you don't have to. Mm. You don't have to go uh, very far. Go very much. far. Yeah. You know, if mm. you live in London, those are those are big things that you could you could get behind. Uh, but those are those are just two two things. There's yeah. so many other causes that you need to understand and you need to learn about. And and so educate yourself is is what I'd advise. You got to find what you're what you're passionate about. The issue that speaks to you. It is crazy how so out of touch we are. I mean, like, yeah, no, it does. It really does put I it in perspective know, when you sit here and you hear these stats. I don't know about you, but I mean, my, my mind's just like 
it's so shaken by some of the numbers that you dropped today. Because mm, yeah. you, you know, you know, you walk around, you know, there's poverty in London, you know that there's mm. issues in London, yeah. but you just you think in one of the world's most you know developed cities, yeah. you you know, one in three people don't have a laptop or a phone. Yeah, in London. And yeah, and and, and 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 so this this charity I can you can too, um, they they provide hot meals and and free meals a- across um, uh, Christmas and Easter. And uh, I had um, eight boxes that I needed to deliver to eight addresses, basically. And each address, it was just poverty after poverty. And this is in, in North London. And you'd never see it because it's outside of mind. You, these are working poor people living mm. hand to mouth um, who, are, who, are, who are working, but just don't have enough to pay yeah, the bills. Yeah. And it's happening more so now than ever because of... Uh, yeah, inflation, interest rates, etc., yeah. and and uh, it's so important that you need to to help people. So my my advice is just be kind, mm. uh, because you just don't know what people are going through right now. Um, whether it's on the tube or the mm. bus, uh, or, or, or down the street. I think that's definitely fallen by the wayside for for a lot of people. And I think as as we said earlier, a lot of people get caught up in their own day to day that they actually forget that. You know, whether you're on the tube or you're in a coffee shop or wherever it might be, that actually just being nice to someone. Yeah it's quite memorable yeah. because it just doesn't happen very often yeah. you know? especially with the homeless as well i remember i was at a <clears throat> i was at a train station once and uh, a homeless guy came up to me and, and he asked me for a cigarette and i gave him a cigarette and we were kind of chatting a little bit and we ended up talking for about like half an hour yeah. um and i was like you know look are you, you know are you homeless do you need any help and I, you know we, i went to a cash point and I, I got him some money but what was interesting was like he was he was really thankful for the money and everything and that was fine but he was really just so thankful that i just just honestly had a chat with him mm. and he told me about some of the things that happened to him and it really is like it is shocking like some i of bet the, it's yeah, disgusting some of the some worst of, yeah. like possible human behavior you can ever yeah. imagine and quite he's like traumatic, you're quite so traumatic and how that you're so invisible <laughs> and if you're not invisible it's so easy to be abused in those situations um yeah. and just people just honestly just don't even treat you like you're human and so just the value of even just if you you know if you do see someone like in your area or whatever who's homeless yeah. just going over and like you know yeah obviously help with money especially if you can but just yeah. have a chat yeah yeah just it's, make them feel human yeah it's 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 uh the, you know everyone wants some sort of attention right and when you um cast aside a section of society and just uh, just kind of ignore them mm. that's so toxic and it's not a sustainable solution mm. you remind me of a, um you reminded me of a situation that was in i was volunteering for my local um homeless shelter where we were giving food one winter and i um i was i was giving food to the homeless and it's an overnight shelter so people come and uh, homeless people come and sleep in the shelter and i saw one of my um uh, one of my school friends in the year above in in the shelter wow. sleeping rough wow. and i was like what what happened and um and he, he said um you know um i i don't have any family and i lost my job and I was I, I therefore couldn't pay my rent mm. and I had nowhere to go so I found myself on the yeah. street and one in one in three people in this country are a paycheck away from homelessness right now so yeah. one in three yeah really? in the country yeah so, I remember so, uh, so, so yeah so these are oh God, okay. systemic okay. issues yeah, yeah, yeah. in society yeah and, and again I think it's that it's just like what you said it's like it's not just that you know the person that you see where you know you like well that makes sense they're homeless it is people where you know not that it makes sense but as in there's people that have obviously a much harder time than other people but as you said there are people that are much closer to it than others i remember uh, about five years ago 
uh, a girlfriend I was with at the time, she volunteered at a homeless shelter and, and she'd never done it before. And she came back and she was said, I said, how was it? Like, what was the most kind of biggest thing that you learned from the experience? And she said, the biggest thing is I wasn't expecting to see so many people there that were like in suits. Yeah. And I was like, what? And she was like, yeah, there were people who they work, you know, just regular white collar jobs. Yeah. And they just fell on a hard time or a, you know, a month or two of bad luck yeah. where, you know, they couldn't make their rent that month. And then, and then it snowballs, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And they were just there and they needed a meal. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's just like, it's yeah. insane. And we speak to the, the Wash Mission Project, uh, washes many of these people's clothes. And what they're telling us is they need to have clean clothes for work or they need to have clean clothes to go on the, the, the public transport. And it's just dignity. You know, everyone mm. wants to feel clean and, yeah. those those kind of connections or services is really important for these people so yeah i think i think it's important to talk about absolutely um i'm going to wrap up with the final question that we ask everyone on this show um but i'm going to tweak it slightly for you because obviously you're the first charity that we've had um this has been a really intense conversation um yeah really really hard hitting eye opening um, yeah eye opening I'm, li- I'm a little sorry i'm a little lost for words um Anyway, our final question is, we like to ask everyone that comes on the show. Um, obviously, the point of the ground floor is to ask people exactly how they did it. So we like to focus on practical advice. Mm. We normally ask people um, if there was one piece of practical or tangible advice uh, that you can give to someone who might be looking to start a business, what would it be? So, you know, less, you know, believe in yourself and more, this is something that's actionable. Uh, in your case, if you could give one piece of advice that's looking to start a charity, mm. what would it be? Yeah, I, I say to everyone, focus on the problem because the solution will always change. And um, for me, uh, the problem was that there is no sustainable solution where people who don't have access to electric washing machine can wash their clothes. And as long as you focus on that and keep focusing on that, whether it's a manual washing machine or a laundrette or a service, that will come later but just keep focusing on the problem and keep telling people about this issue because mm. that's half the battle if people know then people gather and support around you so yeah that was my 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 my, my first piece of advice which is you know get to know and understand the problem and and really fall in love with that problem um uh, and then tell people uh, and and get as many people around you as possible that are willing to support you. Thank you so much, it's a great answer. Um, Nav, you're a remarkable guy and this has been honestly a really eye-opening conversation and I really appreciate you giving your time and, and coming down here to tell Likewise. your story, so thank you. Um, for anyone listening, I'm sure people will be really eager to help however they can, so uh, straight into the camera over there, where can people find you and how can they help? Uh, yeah, so thank you very much for the support and if you made it this far, <laughs> appreciate it. You can go on to thewashingmachineproject.org and learn all the ways that you can support from uh, donating your time to, to volunteer with us or to donate a machine um, to a refugee or, or around the world. So, so thewashingmachineproject.org. Thank you so thank much. You. Uh, guys, never had a conversation like that before. Um, really really hard hitting i'm not going to ask you to subscribe and everything this time you guys you guys already know i'm just going to ask you to if you see someone that needs help help someone before the next episode i think that's a good way to end it navjot thank you such thank you so much for coming yeah, it's been a pleasure a real pleasure thank you thank you thanks man